Welcome into episode 58 of the Gumprunners podcast. Chase Thornton, Lester Mitchell joining you tonight. No J-Law, unfortunately. He uh, he does all the uh, all the basketball games. Well, I think I believe girls and boys uh, for Silicon Sports Network and, you know, all the football games, baseball games. That's a busy man. Plus, uh, you know, a reason we could not get to you guys last week. It wasn't because of the devastating national championship loss we've endured those before uh you know three of them to be exact in 2016 2018 and, and 2021 so or the seasons of those years and so you know and this nothing new to Alabama fans we've won our you know we've won our share of national championships and when you play for that many Lester you know you're eventually going to lose some you can't you can't win them all that's the old saying but uh J-Law actually I believe in like the first or second quarter of the game Lester I can't exactly remember J-Law texts us and says, hey, Savannah's in labor. We're heading to the hospital. So, so uh, congratulations to J-Law. Um, had a little girl uh, at 12.30 a.m. the morning after the, uh, the national championship game. So, his daughter has yet to see Alabama lose a football game. Seen a lose, or she's, seen, she's seen us lose a couple of basketball games, but uh, we're not, not going to cover any basketball yet in this podcast because, you know, we have so much to talk about with the Georgia game. And then, you know, we also wanted to give it some time to let the, let the guys transfer announce and, and the, uh, the NFL early departures. Um, we wanted them to announce. So we have a, so we have a feel of what the roster is going to look like heading into spring ball. And, um, and I think we have a pretty good idea of it by now. And, you know, of course there could be, could be some guys uh, that that entered the portal later on, and some guys that actually transfer in later on. I think I don't I don't, re- I don't remember the exact date of of when the uh, the deadline is for the transfer portal, but you know there, there there could be a couple more moves made on either side. But um, you know, Lester diving into this Georgia game, uh, you know, Jamison Williams going down. Yo, you've already lost John Mechie. Uh, just a brutal injury I mean other than really other than Bryce Young this is just a guy that you just you couldn't afford to lose I mean I think that if Alabama would have lost any of the five offensive linemen including Evan Neal Evan Neal may be the number one pick overall as good as he is even if you lost him he's more replaceable than Jamison Williams and you know just a very you know injuries are part of the game uh and, and you know it's not, you know, it's your top two non-off or non-quarterback offensive players were out. So after Bryce Young, who's, you know, far and away the most important player on either side of the football for Alabama. But after him, it's not Brian Robinson. It's not Evan Neal. It was John Mechie and Jameson Williams. I mean, you saw late in the year, you know, ever since the Arkansas game when Bryce threw for over 600 yards and, uh, you know, set the Alabama record and all that stuff. And then, you know, kind of struggling in the Iron Bowl, but Jamison was out. But whenever you saw them both on the field, because Jamison went out with the targeting penalty in Jordan Hare, whenever they were both on the field, you saw how unstoppable this passing attack was for Alabama. And, I mean, of course, you know, Lester, it's kind of – I kind of compared it to if Devonta Smith and Jalen Waddle go down for last year's team. Even with all that talent that last year's team had, you know, I don't think they beat Florida. And, you know, I asked you straight up, I was like, I, how did we get beat by Ohio State? And you said, I think we win, but it's very, very close. Um, they were just separators. And John Mechie and Jameson Williams on the field together 
were separators. Um, so, Lester, after you lose JMO, you know, you've got a Jai Hall coming in. He's played like less than 30 snaps or something on the year. Ja'Cory Brooks is still inexperienced, uh, even though he had a good game against Cincinnati. He's very inexperienced. Slade Bolden's like your number one receiver. I mean, hell, dude, this is just a bad matchup for Alabama. And they still had a chance to win it or tie it in the fourth quarter. I actually took a fourth quarter lead. But uh, just overall, what are your impressions of the way that Bill O'Brien called the offense? And I heard Joel Klatt talking about this a lot on Colin Cowherd's show when he does a little segment on it. He was very disappointed in the lack of creativity in Bill O'Brien's offensive play calling. I'm like, hell, do you listen to the Gump Runners podcast? Because we've been saying this for three months. We said this since September. Uh, you know, I think it was like the Mercer game. We started seeing, it. hey, this is, you know, we can't we can't run the ball for pot with power against Mercer. There's a problem. Then it leaked over into the Florida game, and it just never really got right. And uh, aside from a couple of games, maybe, you know, of course the Georgia game, the SEC championship game, and maybe like the Mississippi State game on the road. But I mean, everybody remembers the debacle, the two trips inside the five yard line that led to zero points uh, against Texas A and M. And that three-point loss. And so Bill O'Brien was just an underachiever at the offensive coordinator position this year. So, Lester, what do you think of his overall plan heading into this rematch with Georgia in the national championship game? Um, Yeah, like you said, there, there was no creativity in offense all year long. Um, I'm not saying that it came back to bite them in the national championship game, but it did not help at all that there were literally no schemes to get players in motion. There's no, there's no schemes to get players open. There's no, there's no, you know, plan to get your playmakers in space. I've not seen that one jet sweep ran um, screens, none of that crap that, that aids and helps an offense. It was not utilized this year. Um, I, I think I was talking to J-Law and he said that, Sark would have been the best offensive coordinator for this year, and Bill O'Brien would have been great for last year. Sorry, um, Jay, I gotta take credit for that one because that's so true, man. Because you know, yeah. we, we talked about that how, how good that offensive matter. line was, yeah, how good the offensive line was last year. You know, you had senior leadership all over the place, you were built for power, and Sark he, he created finesse because he could. That's his game plan. But, yeah, that, that, that's a perfect example. Yeah, Sark in this year when you've got a little less talent up front, I guess a lot less talent from compared to last year, up front, and you've got to get the ball out quick, you got to get the ball into space, it'd be perfect. Yeah, I don't I don't understand how Bill O'Brien is still employed by the University of Alabama. Um, after seeing the offense that was ran last year, I don't know how Saban can sit back and be like, yep, Bill O'Brien did a good job. I want to keep him. I want to keep running this, this type of offense um, going forward. It's, it's, it's unacceptable because, yes, Alabama has the most talent in the country. That, that, now that margin has narrowed, you know, a little bit. But why not do what you can, everything you can, to maximize the playmaking ability of your Heisman-winning quarterback and the five-star talent around them. I mean, no, in that championship game, it didn't help the guys miss wide-open passes. It didn't help the guys drop balls. It didn't help that 19 could not give a damn what game he was playing in. All that didn't help at all. That's 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 certainly a factor, too. But 
Bill O'Brien did not do anything all year to help maximize his offense. I don't care what the final score at the end of any game says. Right. And it's just he did not do to help it at all. It just goes to show you how how good Bryce Young was, and how good Jameson Williams was, and how good John Mechie was. And uh, you know, two of those three are going to be gone. But you know, I think it was spring reps and summer reps. The, the young guys will be okay. We'll get into that in a little bit. But you know, you talk about talent. I think on the field on or a couple of Mondays ago, Alabama had the second most talent on the field. And you know, I mean. You can sit here and scream about injuries all you want to. You still have to go play the game. And, I mean, I think even the reasonable Georgia fans would would tell you that, Lester, maybe even if J-Mo finishes that game, because they had no answer for him. The play he got hurt on was over a 40-yard play. I think he had almost 70 yards receiving already. I mean, he was on pace for like 150 yards. And so – they couldn't stop him again. So maybe even if he just plays and finishes that game, then Alabama wins and might win easily. I mean, they might not finish with 18 points. That might be a, you know, 24, 27 point, you know, at, at, at the end of the game. And, uh, and then it's Georgia, you know, having to throw the ball and be one dimensional trying to, you know, push the ball downfield with sets and Bennett. And, um, but you know, the, the injury luck with Alabama, is is brutal and you know you can say it with other teams too like I was thinking back um in 2015 when Alabama beat Clemson in Arizona uh the 40 to 35 game I think Mike Williams and Deion Kane were out two receivers for Clemson in that game you know if you have those guys you think that they win that game and then you flip it over to 2016 Eddie Jackson is out for Alabama and then Bo Scarborough breaks his leg in the third quarter. And that just killed any momentum Alabama had. Alabama was up two touchdowns at that time and ended up losing the game because Jalen Hurts could not throw the ball to save his life. Um, you, you know, and then you fast forward to, to 2022. And, I mean, Alabama's sitting here, you know, Ikior and Owens were banged up. Um, Jace McClellan, you know, arguably, arguably the best overall back on the roster this year as far as running the ball and catching the ball out of the backfield. Um, you know, Roy Dell Williams got a lot of touches, went down the ACL as well. J-Mo, Mechie, Jalen Armour Davis, Josh Joe, everybody knows about those. But, Lester, I think one of my biggest ones was Chris Allen. <clears throat> now, Chris Allen is who a lot of people forget about. You know, this guy was hurt in the very first game of the season against Miami. <clears throat> as good as Dallas, Dallas Turner was, and as good as Drew Sanders was whenever he was in there before he hurt his hand, um, Chris Allen was a three-down preseason All-American. He was a potential first-rounder. You know, he'll probably fall to late second, maybe mid-third round, if I would guess. Um, but And not to say Dallas Turner won't be a first-rounder, but you had a guy – with three or four more years of experience that you lost week one. And I think the reason that there wasn't a huge drop-off at that position at the end of the year, like it was with the receiver, was because the young guy was able to get some reps. He was able to get all the reps, you know, whether it's in practice or game reps, uh, you know, whether it be in Drew Sanders or Dallas Turner. So by the end of the year, he, he was playing his butt off and he was playing very well. And Dallas Turner was very effective. And, you know, you look at the receiver situation – if J-Mo and Mechie go down week one and, and Hall, you know, Trayshawn, JoJo, Ja'Cory, if they're all able to get the game reps, 
then I think you have a completely different receiving core if you get to the national championship again. And, uh, and, and it's just the fact that, you know, you can't have your top two guys go down in the championship games being the SEC championship and the national championship and expect freshmen who have not played all year. Like Alabama's had really good freshmen, Lester. I mean, you look at Coop, you look at Julio, you look at Calvin Ridley was a really good freshman, you know, it, but those guys were like day one starters. You know what I'm saying? Like they didn't come on in week 10 and just explode. And so it's just, it's just so difficult to step in against the best defense in the country and expect you to get anything done. But Hey, you know, whenever Bryce would throw a dot, they drop it. They weren't ready for the moment. The moment was way too big for them. They pissed down their leg. Uh, you know, just like coach 30 says on TikTok. Um, but, uh, you know, all that adversity, Lester, and the fact that Alabama had a drive to score and a two-point conversion to tie the game up under five minutes to go in the game. Talk about the, the fight that this team had because, you know, Georgia had no injuries. They had incredible injury luck this year. Brock Bowers was banged up. He'll have surgery in the offseason, but it wasn't, it wasn't enough to affect his play. Um, but, Lester, talk about the, the determination and the grit that this team showed, you know, being underdogs again, being a young team, and on top of being a young team, having some very key guys go out, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Talk about how they were able to stay in the game, even though they didn't execute in the red zone the way we wanted them to. The fact that Alabama took a lead in the fourth quarter was pretty impressive in itself. Right. Um, despite it all, like you said, this team was still in a spot to win the game. Um, I know leading up to the next championship and me and, you know, moments of a, a three-peat, you know, if, if we can just get this one, if we can get, if we can just get this one with a young team, um, this is Bryce's first year as a starting quarterback. Um, you know, the young guys, the young wide receiver core coming, if we can just get this one, then we can be a lot for a three-peat. And that just goes to show how talented this team really is. But the experience just wasn't there. You know, that's why you need to beat people by beat people's ass by 50 points. And you can, you can, you can, you can play the young guys. You can play Jai Hall. You can play Tracy and Hall. You can get those guys' reps. That's one thing I've been preaching all freaking year long for a long time. Yeah. And also you gotta throw it to them, right? You gotta throw it to them. You gotta throw it to them. You gotta give them a chance. So mm-hmm. Overall, this team, you know, incredibly resilient, you know, battling back from, you know, Texas A&M, you know, showing toughness in the Florida game, you know, the Iron Bowl. I mean, this team was really, really damn good, and the next championship, you know, should not be a, you know, demerit on them at all. They did what they could with what they had. Now, sure, we would love to see some passes, you know, not dropped and, you know, people caring and people not slipping down on the freaking field. Yes, but it is what it is, and and kudos to that team, though. They did pretty damn good for, you know, what was thrown in front of them. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I thought they were pretty resilient. Of course, you want to see some some better execution. Lester, do, do you think that's why Saban was so chill after the game? And I know, you know, he's kind of taken on a different persona throughout the whole year, and that's something that we've noticed. I think we agree with some of it. Then we disagree with it at times. You know, you want to see him choose some more ass. But, hey, Pete Golding lets you know in his press conference during the bowl season that, uh, you know, there's plenty of ass chewings that still go on with the coordinators. So don't worry about that. So I think he's just – I think he's still pretty mean to his coaches. (laughs) But 
I think he's just nicer to the players and to the media. And uh, he was incredibly chill after this game. And I don't know if the former assistant thing was just gnawing at him and he's kind of relieved to have it over with because that was being hung over his head so many, so much. And, you know, of course, you, you know, he, he says he doesn't care about it and all that stuff. And he says he doesn't know, but I'm sure he does. This guy knows about anything and everything. Uh, he knows what's going on, but, um, you know, or, or Lester, do you think it was more of a fact of, like I said before the game, and I'm not sure if I said it on the podcast, but I did say it to you guys in the Gump Runners group text. This team's not supposed to be here. Like this team, uh, you know, the way they played, all of the one possession games they had, the lucky win at Auburn, you know, the Arkansas game, the LSU game where LSU had a Hail Mary to, to, to win the game, the Florida game um, where, you know, they miss a two point conversion. And Alabama, or they missed an extra point, which had, which you know, made them go for a two-point conversion later on in the game, and Alabama stopped it to to seal the victory. You know, the way that the season went, Alabama was incredibly lucky to be there. And like I said earlier, they might have played three complete games all year, talking about Miami, Mississippi State, and uh, <clears throat> and and Georgia in the SEC championship game. And so, do you think what, what was the reason you think for his calmness in the post game? I mean, hell, I was calm in the post game. I oh, mean, yeah, but I mean, it, that, and that's something. But this is, I think, you know, this too. is the head man. We were chill because, like, we know that. And I kept telling y'all, I was like, dude, this team's not supposed to be here. Anything that we get, it's just, it's just gravy. I mean, what? you know, and and and, but also, you know, as a Bama fan, Lester, we know, dude, it's so much easier to lose now. And, you know, you'll have some people that they kind of gouge you on Twitter or whatever. But, dude, it's so easy to ignore that because guess who's going to be in the playoff again next year? Alabama. Guess who's going to be in the playoff in 2023? Alabama. 2024? Alabama. Until Nick Saban wants to retire. And then after that as well because he's still going to have a loaded roster to whoever he leaves. And I guarantee you, Greg Byrne ain't going to go out and make – a piss poor hire. Now, of course, you're never going to replicate that Saban success, but with the 12 team playoff coming in eventually, probably 2025 or whenever, you know, you look for Alabama to continue to make the playoff and continue to continue to be a contender in the SEC West, even post Saban, at least for two or three years after, because of the talent that's going to be left on the roster. And so it's it's a lot easier for us to lose. And you wonder if that's kind of gotten to Saban as well. You know, he feels for this, for the, for the guys that won't be back next year, but at the same time, gosh, there's only like 10 of them. <laughs> you know I mean? If you want to transfer, that's because you're not good enough to play here anyway. But, you know, for the guys that are actually leaving, there's only like, you know, seven or eight of them. It's, it's usually anywhere from 15 to 16. And uh, it's just so young, so much coming back. Um. But, yeah, it's really at, – at times it seems weird to see him like that, Lester, or have you gotten kind of used to it? I just think he knew if this team was healthy, if a couple of missteps wasn't made, I, I, I think that he would probably – with you, this team probably isn't supposed to be here. But despite it all, with the healthy team, they beat George's ass. That's how I feel. And – I, I think he was happy for Kirby, but I think he feels the same way too. Like Kirby, bro, like you kind of got away with one right here. 
you know, you need to take your ass, celebrate, and y'all go home. Because you kind of got a little lucky, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. I think that's how Sabans feel like, you know, shit, you know, gotta chalk it up, man. You know what I mean? There's Absolutely. nothing about with this game. So, you know, they, you know, they, they skirted by on this one. Credit to them. They won their national championships, the national champions for sure. But yeah. a healthy team, mm, I think the game goes more like the SC championship in my opinion. I, I, yeah, and like you said, I think it could be worse. I mean, you gotta you gotta remember Alabama didn't play the whole second half without John Mechie. I think they could have named their number uh, in the you know national championship. I'm not saying they could have named their number, but you know if you have a fully healthy offensive line and you know you you get to rotate B Rob and Jace McClellan instead of B Rob and Trey Sanders. I mean, no disrespect to Trey. I mean, I, I you know I praise him to death because I mean what he's gone through, and it's not been easy. But he just doesn't have the ability to be a you know a, a top a rotational back in Alabama offense, and he won't be next year either. With Jameer Gibbs coming in, I mean, that guy may start, and Jace may still be a backup. And then it's going to be Roy Dale if he doesn't transfer. And then Trey. Trey will be back to four string next year, and he had to play the last four games of the season as a number two guy. So, uh, you know, it, it, it was very difficult. And, and so, yeah, I mean, I think that it was almost like, Lester, this was 2019 LSU for Georgia. Like, we have to win this one because – I think it said they're losing 10 starters on defense. Is that right? I think they lost – yeah, I think they lost 10 starters on defense, and I think they're losing 16 or 17 out of the first 22 on offense and defense. Yeah, this Yeah, this is it for thing for sure. Uh, I, I'm so looking forward to see how this Georgia team responds going into next year, especially if Stetson Bennett stays – so yeah, but yeah, they're they're losing a ton. This was this was it for that team. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think they had two offensive linemen leave early for the draft, including Jamari Saylor, one of the best left tackles in the country. Uh, might be number two off the board behind Evan Neal. For real, he's very very good. But you know, Pickens is gone, uh, Cook's gone, Samir White's gone. So you know, you're very thin at running back. Um, you know, they got I think it's Kendall Milton. I think is his name. Uh, out from out in California. I think he's probably going to start for him next year. I think he's had some knee problems, uh, much like Zamir White. Uh, but, you know, you've got to repatch your offensive line. you got to find more weapons. You've got Bowers back, of course. But you got to find. You got to have some receivers step in. And, uh, and if Stetson does come back, I mean, guys, look, just because you win the national championship and you beat a beat-up Bama team, you know, pro- I, do give, I do give Stetson props – for not turning the ball over and but then again he was never really put in a situation which is Alabama's fault he was never put in a situation where he had to have one and what I mean is not have a drive he's got to have a throw it is third and nine I've got to I've got to throw the ball well you know I take that back he did have the turnover he fumbled and went out of bounds or we recovered it, you know, at, at the 10-yard line. So, that was a huge mistake by him. It's just a great job by Georgia's defense to keep us out of the end zone. You know, the couple of times on, like, Latu's big catch and then Jamison's big catch, you know, you set up for field goals in those situations. You know, if you score at least one time there, you know, at the end, you know, instead of having to go for two to make it 20 to 13, if you've already got – 23 points in that situation you kick the extra point you go at 24 13 now there's 10 minutes to go and you're down two scores if you're Georgia I mean that's how close this game was 
and it's Alabama's fault for not uh, for not punching it in. And, uh, and and so it's there's a lot of what ifs in this game, you know, and and I think that, uh, you know, SEC championship game, Alabama was hitting the big play and it was Georgia that wasn't finishing drives. They turned it over on downs in the red zone and they, um, you know, they threw the pick in the red zone as well. And then in this game, it was flipped. You know, Alabama couldn't finish the drives, and Georgia had the big plays. They had the big run was Amir Wright. And, uh, you know, Stetson, he, he did drop some balls in there, but he didn't go out and beat Alabama. I mean, it was a defensive performance, you know, spectacular for Georgia. And, of course, you know, it was credit. It, it really helped with Alabama's top two guys going down. But, Lester, talking about the receivers for a second, you know, you're, you're going to have – Holding back, Hall, JoJo, Brooks, Slade is gone. Thank God. I'm sorry, guys. I don't – I just – I'm so tired of seeing Slade Bolden, um, whether it's muffin punts or just going back to return punts, period. Uh, how do you not muff one all year than muff one in the national championship game? It's just – it's just – anyway. Uh, but, Lester, do you feel comfortable with having these top four or five guys back with along with the four freshmen that are coming in, they're highly rated also, a lot like these freshmen were last year. Do you feel comfortable enough with these young guys, or do you think Alabama has to go to the transfer portal and try to get somebody? Uh, you know, whether it's Boutte, who you know, he said it's then at LSU. There's some rumors going around. There's some rumors about Josh Downs coming into the transfer portal from North Carolina. We talked about him. So do you think that it's that it's imperative if one of those guys does hit the portal that Alabama's got to go get him, or are you comfortable with where Alabama's at right now? Um, in this age of the transfer portal, um, there's no reason to ever be comfortable. If there's somebody better, more proven out there with experience, get them. You know, damn the freshmen, they're gonna get pissed and tweet about it anyway. It don't matter. So, um. Yeah, definitely. If there's somebody available, go freaking get them. And I think Saban will do that. But if that doesn't happen, clearly, you know, recruiting has been great the past couple of years. You know, these guys that are, you know, on the roster now, Jai Hall, Holden, you know, all those guys, um, they're talented. They're here, they're here for a reason. It's because they have five-star, you know, talent, and they're pretty dang good at football. But they do need the experience to truly, you know, be comfortable and contribute within the system. Yeah, I think I, I agree with you 100%. I think if if it presents itself, go get him because you can't have too many. But at the same time, I mean, you you feel the the need. I don't want to say the need because you're not entitled to anything. The college game is very cutthroat because, you know, as much as the players have power now, so do the coaches. And, you know, I mean – Look at, I, I don't know. I mean, you look at Ajayi Hall, Trayshawn Holden, JoJo, and Brooks, and they're poised for big years next year, right? That's how it is right now in January, mid-January. But Alabama goes out next month and gets a guy like Josh Downs, and he has a Jameson Williams tight year. Well, as a player, you know, I've worked my butt off for two years or whatever, and I'm not getting any looks. Or I'll just transfer. And so it goes both ways as far as the cutthroatness, I guess if you want to call it, um, you know, 
Jalen Moody is a good example. I told y'all about that. You know, players can leave at any time they want to now and roll at another school right down the road and be eligible immediately. That sucks. But at the same time, how it's also unfair for a guy like Jalen Moody, who was here for four years, and, you know, he did everything he was asked to do. And, you know, he started the 8A game. He played every snap with the starting defense, him and Christian Harris. And uh, he was poised to be the guy. All of a sudden, Henry T., you know, he decides he doesn't want to be at Tennessee anymore. He comes to Alabama. As soon as he set foot on campus, he was a day one starter. And, you know, I'm sure there was competition or whatever, but there, there was never competition. Henry T. wasn't coming here to sit on the bench. He was coming here to start and to play, and that's what Saban told him. And so how is that fair to a guy like Moody? So he transfers out. You know, I can't really, I can't really get mad at that. And, um, and, and that's, I kind of want to roll into the, the transfer portal deal Lester, because I think Alabama's lost 11 or 12 guys. Uh, you know, Paul Tyson, Jalil, Jackson Bratton sucks. King Wakuda sucks. Uh, Drew Sanders uh, would have been a really good backup piece this year. He was last year. Uh, he transfers to Arkansas. Xavier Williams was never going to play. Marcus Banks was never going to play. Pierce Quick was never going to play. He went to Georgia Tech. Tommy Brown probably could have competed for a guard slot next year. Who knows? Uh, Javon Baker, uh, Shane Lee. You know, the, these guys that are transferring, some of them hurt worse than others. Like, of course, you know, Drew Sanders, because of the injury luck that Alabama seems to have, um, you know, with Dallas Turner starting there next year, if he was to go down, you're probably looking at a true freshman backing him up. So, Lester, it makes your team have to develop freshman young or freshman earlier because, you know, they're, they're probably one play away because a lot of these guys are now going to come in and be number two on the depth chart or maybe even number one in a lot of places. Whereas, you know, a couple of years ago, they're coming in at number three and four on the depth chart and they had to buy their time and they had to, quote, trust the process. So how do you feel about this whole transfer portal deal now that it's, it's in full effect and we're seeing – you know, the the changes that it's causing to the college game and, you know, do you agree with it, disagree with it? I mean, we all think it's going to help Bama, but talk about from that depth perspective how, how it could potentially hurt you. Yeah, seeing guys being um, impatient or upset regarding playing time, it's, it's, it's a head-scratcher, um, but I get it. You know, if you think you can go somewhere and play, um, basically free agency in college football right now, by all means, go do it. Um, as an Alabama fan, I have the utmost confidence in Nick Saban to be a recruiting or transfer portal to get somebody just as good or better. But I th- this is just um, a symptom or or whatever of just society in general. If you don't like something, you just quit and move on. Um, it's kind of like the same thing with high school kids when you see guys that have transfer two, three, four times. So like, you know, they're playing a different high school every year. It's just, it's, it's, it's insane. Um, I don't understand it. Cause I'm not from that, you know, that era of kid, if I'm just pissed or whatever, I'll just quit something and move on to something else. But it's, it's certainly interesting. But like I said, Saban is not going to fret. No Alabama fans should ever threat unless, you know, f- get pissed unless Bryce Young leaves. But you know, it it is what it is. That's how the rules are. Um, I do think, I don't know how, but 
the conversation is going to start at some point about how, you know, college football or schools or whatever can legislate this a little bit better. But, hell, this is what they wanted. The cat's out of the bag now. So I don't know how they're going to do that, but um, it is what it is at this point. I mean, this is just a new era that we're in. Do you think it hurts Alabama from a depth perspective more than other teams? Because, you know, when Alabama gets transfer guys, Lester, you know, you're Henry T, you're Jameson Williams, you're Landon Dickerson, you know, that's three. But, I mean, you've got teams going out getting five or six every year. And that's because I'm going to say 95, 96% of the transfer portal are guys that couldn't start at their current school, right? It's rare to, to see these guys that are in a situation like Jameson Williams where great receiver, that's obvious, probably going to be the first receiver taken off the board in the NFL draft this year, but he was stuck behind Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, so he couldn't shine. And so he made a business decision for himself. You know, Henry T, just a good player on a bad team, and they're in a bad situation. Everybody else had transferred. He wanted a shot at a championship, and so he comes to Alabama, which was his second choice out of high school, right? But that's – I don't think that's going to be as rare, or I, I don't think it's going to be as, as common for Alabama as it is other schools. Lester, I think it's harder for Alabama to get guys out of the portal. Um, I know, you know, as I'm saying this, they just got Eli Ricks and uh, Jameer, Jameer Gibbs out of the transfer portal, two great players. Um, but – you know, I don't know if it'll be like that every single year. So do you think it hurts Alabama from a depth perspective? Because, you know, you lose a guy like Drew Sanders. And, you know, like I said, if he was to – if Dallas Turner or Will Anderson get hurt, you're probably looking at maybe Jeremiah Alexander backing him up. Um, so at certain positions, how much is it going to play a depth factor when it comes to Alabama, you know, reps too. I mean, these guys don't play every play. You've got certain packages uh, for certain down and distances. So just tell me how it affects all of that for Alabama. It affects a lot. Um, you know, when you bring in somebody for, you know, certain packages or somebody needs to break, ideally you don't want a drop off in talent on the field, you know, and, you know, we hate to see Drew Sanders go and do the injury, man. I don't get it as as much injury and stuff that's happened with Bama this year. You know, why wouldn't that guy stick it out? You know, if he's as good as he thinks he is, surely he can play, right? I mean, I don't know. You know, the guys in front of him, they can't play every play. But, you know, it does hurt death-wise. Of course, you want to be, you know, five stars, you know, four deep at every position. But it's not going to be that way. It, It can't be that way, you know. Ever, you know, that's that's even before the transfer portal. Somebody thought they were good. The hell, they take their time, sit out a year, and ball out, you know, for the next team. So, you know, it is what it is. It does hurt depth, and you know, some guys in some positions in some years are going to hurt more than others. But you just got to adapt with it. I think it's going to benefit the guys more. I think it's pretty obvious. The more the guys that have a long term plan, and you know, I was talking to you about this earlier. So, why do these guys? with these third, fourth round draft grades, um, declare early, you know, a guy like Jalen Armour Davis, he's not going to get taken in the top three rounds. He has what, maybe eight games of film. He got hurt. He, he was, you know, I think he had what three or four interceptions this year. He wasn't a bad corner, but it wasn't like, Oh my gosh, 
you know, where has this guy been? Why hasn't he been playing? Hey, he was he was average. He was good, I guess. I mean, against Cincinnati, he was putrid because he was hurt. And so he didn't help himself at all by playing in that game. So, you know, a guy like that, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. And I think these guys are so eager to get out of college, which doesn't make a lot of sense because of the NIL now. And, of course, you know, you can make more on a practice squad in the NFL than these NIL deals that a lot of these guys are getting, unless you're, you know, a top 20 player in college football. Those guys are the exceptions. But they're also not going to get practice squad deals. They're going to get daytime contracts. So I, I don't understand the the idea of these guys with these short-term plans. Now, a guy like Drew Sanders, um, you know, Will Anderson is all but guaranteed to for this to be his last year, his junior year. Um, he's going to go pro. He's going to be a top five draft pick. Um, and then, you know, Drew Sanders is now a senior. Dallas Turner is a junior. Um, and so, you know, you look, you look for Drew Sanders to be the guy to, to take over for Will. And I think that would be, of course, anything's going to be a downgrade from Will Anderson, but it's not going to be a huge drop off because Drew Sanders is a good player. But I guess he's thinking I can leave now since it's my junior year upcoming, go to Arkansas, show out and go pro. And I think it benefits guys better in the long run if you have a long-term plan and you're not so eager to get out of college like a lot of these guys are. I mean, even John Mechie. I don't see Mechie going in the top two rounds. You know, I think if he, if he came back to Alabama, he caught another 100 balls and, you know, you've got four solid years of production from this dude. I don't know how you can pass on him in, in the top two rounds. But as of now, coming off a knee injury – you know, they want to see how you move. Receiver is a speed position. It's an agility position. You know, it's not a quarterback where you can stand in the pocket or it's not, you know, an offensive line position where you don't have to move as much. Um, it's an agility position. And so they're going to want to see how you recover from this. And he's not going to be recovered for another couple of months. And, you know, hopefully he can get into some combines and do some stuff. But, you know, you, you question that. I think Jamison has kind of proven that he's a first-round receiver whether he has the ACL or not, Dodgers are respecting a full recovery. So I think he's more – I think teams are more willing to take a chance on him in the NFL than a guy like John Mechie, who's kind of a possession guy. You know, you get those guys in rounds five and six. You don't really stretch – you don't really reach on a possession receiver. But, you know, Lester, with the early NFL departures, it's just – just who we, – we get Drew Sanders – um, what do you think Slade – I got like Slade Bowen. Let's talk about Slade. What do you think Slade's reasoning is for leaving for the draft? I mean, you figured if anything he'd transfer, like, by getting pushed out. But, I mean, I, I guess not by Slade when he loves him because he played him every game this year. But what do you think Slade's reason for leaving for the NFL draft? What do you think Slade goes undrafted to? What do you think he signs undrafted to? Um. Well, Slade was – he was a senior, right? Oh, no. Resher Jr., he had another. Oh, so, he, so he's he's been here his four years. Yeah. Ago. He's probably he's probably tired of school. He'll go be an accountant or some shit once he's mm-hmm. finished with the NFL, whatever, in a couple of years. He's he's just fine. Football isn't his life. I guarantee it. This isn't his meal ticket, you know, for whatever. Slate Slate the Bowden be just fine. He's probably, you know, ready to get out, you know, take his mob and son's money and uh 
hopefully he'll probably go to the bill check and Mac will have somebody decent to throw to, I guess. I don't know who'll call Slate decent, but you know, I can definitely see him, you know, going up to the bill check. He'll be the next Wes Welker or who's the other little guy they had? Um Julian Edelman. Yeah, Edelman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll fill that role or something. So he'll, I think he'll stick for a team for a little bit till he muffs a pun and pisses somebody off, and that'll be it for him. No chance this guy returns punts in the NFL. Uh, maybe in a fourth quarter of a preseason game uh, when he's like number 65 on the roster, and this is his last game before getting cut. Uh, he'll be on a practice squad somewhere. I think you got to be an idiot to draft Slade Bolden, even if you're Belichick. You know, Tom Brady made those guys work. So I don't know how well Matt can do it. But uh, And also Wes Welker and Julian Edelman will run circles around Slade Bolden. But, uh, you know, Jameson, Evan Neal. Tell me, what, what do you think about Christian Harris going pro Lester? This is a guy that was – I'm going to guess he got a second or a third-round grade. You would think this is a guy that if he came back – then he could work himself up to that first round spot. Um, tell me, do you agree with Harrison's decision or leave or not? Uh, I mean, no, not really. I don't know the situation. Um, but if he has a second, third round grade or stick it out in the NFL, you know, maybe you get a second contract and that's where you make your money at. But, you know, if he wants to go, I guess kind of like Mac Wilson, you kind of got to let him go. You know, reasoning and the smart decision isn't going to work. That 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 talk or whatever statement does, it's not going to work for everybody. You know, regardless of you know what it is and how it is, and you know the relative situation, these guys are going to go, regardless of you know the best advice they can get from the best coach in football. One last thing before we get out of here, Lester, I should have. Now, the show didn't flow very well because I should have talked about the corners earlier, but Alabama from the uh, from the national championship game defense, they're returning nine out of 11 starters off of that defense that started in the national championship game. Granted, you know, you didn't have your starting two corners in there, but Kool-Aid and Kyrie Jackson really got abused. And you can bitch to me all you want about, uh, you know, Kyrie was blanketed on Adonis Mitchell, whatever, on the touchdown, whatever. First of all, he just tackled Jermaine Burton. Dude got beat so bad. He was like, I got to grab shoelaces. And uh, and then, you know, on the other one, I mean, once the receiver gets 20 yards downfield, what, what do you think he's doing, man? I just don't understand. Lester, can we agree that the most important hire, because Dave Villa is already out. He took a downgraded job coaching DBs at Oklahoma. Uh, some people call it a lateral job. No, you're not going to coach as much talent there. Um he recruited like ass. He didn't land Denver Harris, Damani Jackson, any of the guys he was supposed to go get. He got Earl Little and uh, Traquan Fagans out of the state. Um, but, you know, Alabama needed more at corner, especially since you're losing two and Kyrie Jackson's an upcoming senior. Um, Eli Ricks is coming in. So can we agree that this DB hire is the most important hire that Nick Saban's going to make? I think it could be more important than offensive coordinator. Uh you know, offensive line coach, whoever else he has to replace. I think this this DB coach is it is it Jeremy Pruitt or Bust Lester? Is that kind of what we're thinking? Uh, I don't know if Sankey's going to sign off on Jeremy Pruitt. I think 
Hell, I think Pruitt is still trying to sue the University of Tennessee. So, I, I don't wouldn't know that be how, great? Wouldn't that be great? Yeah. It's like another yeah. Butch Jones kind of deal. <laughs> if he could win, it. Um, but yeah, this 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 next hire and whoever else leaves, um, I'm sure the coaching carousel isn't over just yet for Alabama. I hope not. Concerning you know offense coordinator and all that, but yeah, yeah, this 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 hire for. Um, your defensive backs coach is huge. Um, hopefully it's a young guy who's hungry, man, who wants to learn, who's not going to get pissed off when Saban bitches at him. But it's it's hard to find guys like that, man. Once you get that University of Alabama on your resume, guys are just looking to take off for the next job. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, that's, that, that's the reality that it is now. But, you know, it's hard to find, you know, continuity and guys that will want to stay here. So, it's very important from a recruiting standpoint, especially from a coaching standpoint, because clearly the guys are talented, but yeah. they got to get put in the right position. They got to know to look for the ball, the, these keys and this, this, and this. So it's it's, a, it's an incredibly important hire. Yeah, and I mean, I, I would I would take away more or I would give up more big plays in the passing game in return for more interceptions. You know, I, I want to develop that, that aggressive yes. approach yeah. that, you know, Teron Diggs plays with or whatever. Um. And, uh, and, you know, Kool-Aid's got too much talent to be – I don't want to say wasting it, but to, to look like he's a JV kid trying to cover a varsity kid out there, he's got too much talent for that. And, uh, and I don't think they were coached right because last year – I mean, look at Patrick Sertan. He, he would turn and look for the ball. Joe would look for the ball. They were really good at covering, especially on the boundary, getting their head around, locating the ball because when you do that – it's, it's now it's two receivers. It's two receivers going for the ball. You know, you can – and thing is, when you do that, Lester, if a, if a ref sees your head locating the ball, they're going to allow more hand-checking, more hand-fighting, more tugging. They're going to allow more of that. Now, if you're out of if – you, if you aren't looking for the ball, you look out of position. Whether you're in position or not, you look out of position because you're guessing. You're guessing where, when the ball is going to come down. You're, and, and if it's – you know, if it's short or whatever and the receiver has to stop and you bump him a little bit because you're at a disadvantage because you're not in the, the best-looking position, you're getting a flag every single time. And uh, it's very, very frustrating to watch Alabama corners this year. And so, you know, Saban already lost, you know, what, what Bo Davis did, and then the SEC wouldn't let him back in the conference. So he goes to Texas, and then now he's about to come back into the conference uh, because Texas will be here in the SEC, and that uh, you would hate to see that happen with Pruitt because he's a guy that, that loves the university and you really need him, uh, not just from a recruiting standpoint, but you've got to have good coaches back there that, uh, that develop that aggressive mindset and really just, I mean, just turn around and locate the ball, man. I mean, it seems like everybody does it but Alabama. But, um, Lester, we're going to wrap this one up, man. This is episode 58. What you got for us tonight as we close out? Uh, that's about it, man. Wrap it, wrap it up. A I hell of a football it. season. Yeah, man. It was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, you know, fish you know. fry. We lost to Texas A&M, Lester, at the, at the river. But, uh, you know, winning the SEC championship game, there's still something to take away from this season. I mean, it wasn't – the end goal for Alabama fans is always a national championship or bust – um, but you know, it, since, since it's so easy to realize that you're going to be there, you know, if not every year, at least two out of every three years, that seems to be the trend right now for Alabama. 
Um, I'm not talking about making the playoff. I'm talking about playing in the national championship game. I mean, 2011, 2012, you take two years off, then you're back there in 2015, 2016, 2017, 2018. To take off 2019, then you're back there in 2020 and then 2021. So that's a mouthful, but you know, that's that's the that's the uh the program standard at Alabama, and that's what it's gotten to. So I think it's a it's a little bit easier to take them in stride. And uh, you know, congrats to Kirby, Kirby Smart, Georgia Bulldogs. Like we said, they really needed this one because you know, now Kirby gets to find out what it's like to coach a team that's not hungry anymore and to also lose hella talent off the championship team when you've got the bullseye on your back um the good news for kirby is tennessee sucks florida's rebuilding um you know auburn's not any good too right say what He's losing a couple of coaches too, right? No, that was Dabo's staff that got raided. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, Dan Lanning, his defense coordinator, went to Oregon, and I think he took, right. I think he took a couple of guys with him. Um, so he's, right. it's not getting raided like Alabama staff is because nobody likes Todd Monken. Nobody wants him. But uh, it, it, you know, he's he's got some adversity to deal with more than he's ever had. We'll say that right. you're coming off a championship, so it doesn't help because everybody's coming after you. He's lucky though that he gets to play. And one of the weakest divisions in football, you know, you got South Carolina, you got Kentucky is going to be losing a lot. Uh, Tennessee and Florida are in rebuilds. You got Missouri who's terrible. And then Vandy is one of the worst teams in football. So you really don't have anybody to compete with. Um, but definitely don't look for Georgia to win the SEC next year, but you know, we'll see how it plays out. Um, but yeah, we'll talk basketball next week. We didn't want to get into it because that's the whole podcast in itself. Tide really struggling right now. They need a win um, against Missouri and uh, and LSU this week. I believe both games are at home, but, um, you know, Wednesday night, Saturday. So go out, support the Tide and Hoops. I know they're struggling, but they still need you to come out and support them. Episode 58, Gump Runners Podcast, Chase Thornton, Lester Mitchell. We're out of here. Talk to you all next week.